So I want to start by apologizing to people here because um, some of you may know this, some of you may not know this, which is that we had a potluck uh, this evening at 5.30 for people in the Sangha and to honor the volunteers who do, you know, also part of the dana of um, SFI is the, the work that all the volunteers do. And in fact, everybody volunteers here in some way or another. Uh, and so I was supposed to come to the potluck and I totally forgot about the potluck until about 20 minutes before I left to come here, meaning I was working on the talk and reading things and arranging the talk and, you know, and thinking about the sangha. But, and then I went and I had a little bit of food and I went and to brush my teeth, and then I'm brushing my teeth, and I thought, oh, fuck. <laughs> the potluck, I forgot about the potluck. And then I watched my mind, what my mind did with that, which was not fun, what it did with it. And, and, uh, and, and then I went, <laughs> I mean, I just was like, oh, shit. I, and then I, I watched, really, I tell, here, here, I'm going to be very honest. Here's one of the things my mind did. I thought, oh, could I have my wife call up everybody and say I got really sick? And that's why I was <laughs> Really, because I was so embarrassed that I'd forgotten about the potluck. And then, and then when I realized, when I calmed down a little bit, which I didn't calm down really until I sat here, um, um, I thought, uh, well, at least I can use it in the Dharma talk tonight. <laughs> you know, that's the only good thing about bad things is it's all part of the Dharma. And, uh, <clears throat> and especially because I was watching how hard my mind was on me about forgetting. And I have some problems with forgetting, meaning I had a serious accident and, and, and I'm mostly really good and really good but memory is the one thing that is one of the things that got a, a impacted when I had a very bad bike accident and a brain injury and part of the brain injury affected memory and so my memory is not as good as it was and and for a long time I didn't have much for some time I didn't have any memory and then memory came back and has come back slowly and Sometimes, like even uh, like making the announcement about Ayeshe, I didn't have it written down. Or oh, I remembered that. Like I'm thrilled when I remember stuff like that because I wanted to say something about it tonight. And great, my memory's working some of the time, and then some of the time it's not. Like happened earlier today, I just didn't remember at all. And so I watched how hard my mind was about the not remembering. Because, you know, I don't mind if I forget to pay bills and stuff like that. But, <laughs> but with, like, the Sangha, I care about the Sangha. And so I feel, felt really bad that I wasn't here. And I wasn't responsible in that way that I like to be responsible. And, and then, of course, as I said, I thought, okay, it'll be part of the talk because the talk 
is a follow-up from last week where we talked about the Brahma Viharas or the four divine abodes or the four sublime states. And the first of the sublime states is metta or loving kindness. And I was watching how there was very little loving kindness in my mind about the fact that I forgot. And that's part of what begins to teach us about loving kindness and the absence of loving kindness and why loving, ki loving kindness is needed because it's, we can be, I'm not saying you all are hard on yourselves ever, but <laughs> me, I can be definitely hard on myself. And so it was very uh, striking to watch my mind and what my mind was saying about, you know, both how bad it was that I forgot and what a bad thing it was, and then how it could make up things to try to excuse me. And meaning like, oh yeah, Eugene had a really, well, he got really sick today, and so he totally forgot. He's been out of it for the whole day. I thought, oh, that would cover me if somebody <laughs> called and said that. But that wasn't true. And, and one of the beautiful things about the Dharma that can be very difficult is it's based on the truth, right? Dharma means truth. And, and the only way for any of us to wake up, especially me, is to be real in terms of being true about what's really here and what's really happened, even if I don't like what happened, which I did not like what happened. <clears throat> so, I'm continuing from last week where I talked about the Brahma Viharas and, and I want to talk about loving kindness or metta practice tonight. And uh, I saw a beautiful quote from Rick Fields who was a Buddhist practitioner. I believe I, he was a Tibetan practitioner and I can't remember if he was a writer, published, and uh, he said, he said, spirituality, spirituality is that place where the utterly intimate, where the utterly intimate and the vastly infinite meet. I'm going to say that again. It's beautiful understanding. Spirituality is that place where the utterly intimate and the vastly infinite meet. And so that's a beautiful way to start to think about loving-kindness practice because loving-kindness practice is a heart practice and it's a place where the most intimate and the infinite meets right here in our own heart and mind. And it's one of the potentials for us as living beings is to have a heart that is totally intimate, totally sensitive and also is, is um, the root of that loving kindness is part of the infinity of reality that we are also part of. Let me try to say that again another way, that we ourselves are a very intimate expression of the infinite reality that is everywhere that we are a personal expression of the universal here and now. <clears throat> and 
And so the Buddha talked a lot about love and love being part of Buddhist practice. And in the Samyutta Nikaya, he said, it is in this way that we must train ourselves by liberation of the self through love. By liberation of the self through love. We will develop love, we will practice it, we will make it both a way and a basis, take our stand upon it, store it up, and thoroughly set it going. Beautiful understanding of the Buddha, right? That we train ourselves by liberation of the self through love. That we free ourselves of the constraint of the egoic sense of self, of the small sense of self, and start to discover the what's sometimes called the big sense of self or capital S self or the the our Buddha nature or the depth or the infinity of who and what we are, which is the source of who and what we are. And the word love is often, even in, in loving kindness, um, uh, it's not always the word that people are comfortable with in Buddhism, like, you know, kindness or f friendliness is often pushed or more foreground when loving kindness is talked about. And, uh, Thich Nhat Hanh says some lovely things. He said, words sometimes get sick and we have to heal them. We have been using the word love to mean appetite or desire, as in, I love hamburgers, right? Or I love, the he has the Lakers, but I would say the Warriors. <laughs> or I love the Warriors, which I love the Warriors, but we may need to use language more carefully. Love is a beautiful word. We have to restore its meaning. The word maitri has roots in the word mita, which means friend, right? Like kalyana mita is a spiritual friend. And so maitri, which is the same word as metta, he's saying, it's a Sanskrit is instead of the Pali, has roots in the word mita, which means friend. In Buddhism, the primary meaning of love is friendship. The primary meaning of love is friendship. Funny, I'm just remembering, I just talked to my daughter and I remember it when, when my wife Pamela and I got married, she, before that she, she made us these candles, meaning glass candles, and then she drew on them or painted. And she said, and she, somewhere on it she had, Love is friendship gone wild. And that's a beautiful understanding, but that's not how, what Thich Nhat Hanh said exactly. He said, in Buddhism, the primary meaning of love is friendship. The expression of metta is the wish for happiness extended to ourselves and to others. The wish for happiness extended to ourselves and to others. It is the universal feeling or warm connectedness and a non-discriminating sense of care. And so as I talk about metta, one of the things you might pay attention to is your own wish for yourself. Do you wish for your own happiness? 
Is that something you wish for? And that's a, quite a legitimate wish in Buddhism, right? It is the wish of the heart to be happy. And one of the things, one of the many things I like about the Dalai Lama is he will often say, oh, all, all people want to be happy. All, all humans want to be happy. And sometimes they go about it in ways that don't really bring happiness either to themselves or to others. But all people want happiness. <clears throat> and that's a, that just that part of mental practice is so helpful for us. Because it starts to change our perspective on everybody, including ourselves. We all wish to be happy. What, what, what does it do if you look around the world and you see everybody's trying to be happy? That that's really what they want. No matter what they're doing, no matter how much you don't agree with what they're doing or the way they're doing it, they're just trying to be happy. And they may be ignorant of what makes happiness or they may not be awake to the kind of kindness that might really support happiness. But just that perspective ch changes our relationship, changes our separateness. It starts to erase the us and themness that we have with other people or other cultures or other religions or other races or other political people because they're all just trying to be happy. Humans are just trying to do that. They're all trying to do that. Whether it's the right way, whether we agree with it or not, they're all trying to be happy. And, no, and just notice what happens if you just even pretend for a minute to take that perspective, to just see what it's like to see people that way and you start to see through the eyes of metta, of loving-kindness. <clears throat> and, and it's a good segue, what I'm saying, I realize now, because the first way that metta was taught, he was, it was taught to the Buddha's followers who were monastics, and they'd gone to practice somewhere, and they'd, they'd gotten afraid because they were in the jungle, right? They were out in Nowheresville, basically. And um, I don't think they called it Nowheresville back then, but that's my cultural bias, right? Um, um, and so they were afraid of wild animals and they were afraid of ghosts, which was very common in that culture in that time and place. <clears throat> And the Buddha sent people out, and, and they came back, and there were, there were wild animals, and that scared the people, really scared them. And so they came back and said, hey, we don't want to practice over here where the Buddha told them to practice. And he said, no, no, I'll give you a practice. It'll make it okay. And he gave them the practice of metta, and to do loving kindness for themselves, and do loving kindness for the beings they were afraid of also. And, and it's said that if you do loving-kindness, if you really do metta practice, that you'll have a loving heart 
that can go anywhere. You will have a loving heart that can go anywhere. Here's the positives. Your dreams will be sweet. You can fall asleep easily. Weapons won't harm you. Okay, good luck with that, but you know, that's, that's what it says in the traditional text. Your thoughts will become pleasant. And if you fall off a cliff, a tree will always be there to catch you. It's a different time and place when that was first put out. <clears throat> and the Buddha also said, he said, you could search the whole world over. You could search, really, he said, you could search the whole universe and you will not find a being more deserving of your loving kindness than yourself. Right? And so I, I, I like to say that, I'm going to say it again, you can search the whole universe and you will not find a being more worthy of love than yourself. And I say that because we're often very, we have a lot of self-judgment in this culture, right? And even in like, that's what I was describing when I forgot to come to the, to the potluck was my self-judgment and it was harsh. And it was like, yeah, it was not, not fun. And so we want to start to see what happens if we practice in a loving way, first of all, towards ourselves. I'll read you a little of the metal sutta, which I have somewhere. Here, give you a little more context. <clears throat> Um, from the Buddha, this is what should be done by one who is skilled in goodness and who knows the path of peace. Let one be able and upright and wish in gladness and in safety, may all beings be at ease. May all beings be at ease. And whatever living beings there be, whether they are weak or strong, whether they are great or mighty, medium, short or small, the seen or the unseen, those living near or far, those born or to be born, may all beings be at ease. May all beings be at ease. Let none deceive another or despise any being in any state. Letting none deceive another or despise any being in any state. Let none through anger or ill will wish harm upon another. And then he gives a pith teaching here. He says, even as a mother protects with her life, her child, her only child, so with a boundless heart, one should cherish all living beings, radiating kindness over the entire world spreading upward to the skies and downward to the depth, outward and unbounded. This is said to be the sublime abiding, right? So even as a mother protects, loves her, her only child, so that we learn the potential of our own heart to wish loving kindness, to wish well, to wish goodness for all beings. 
<clears throat> and letting that radiate in the entire world. And so metta is often taught as a very formal meditation practice. And in the formal practice, which I've done and sometimes for, you know, 10 minutes, but also I've done it for a month at a time, um, you use very simple phrases. And the four basic phrases have to do with um, safety, happiness, health, and ease. And so like my phrases, which I've said, who knows how many millions, not millions, thousands of times, was like for myself is, may I be safe and protected May I be safe, protected, free from inner and outer harm. But the short version is, may, may I be safe and protected, right? But then you, you, can, um, you can customize them so they mean something to you. And so, um, so the short version for me would be may, you be, may I be safe and protected, may um, I abide in happiness, may I enjoy physical health, May I live with ease. And then the longer versions, my, my personal longer versions, may I be safe, protected, free from inner and outer harm. May I abide in happiness, true happiness. May I enjoy phys physical health and strength. And may I live with ease of well-being. May I live with ease of well-being. And, you, and all you, you do when you do the formal practice, you just repeat those phrases over and over again. Just, that's all you do. Like for a sitting, 45 minutes or an hour, two hours or three hours. And then while you're walking, you're repeating the phrases. Then you go back to sitting and you repeat the phrases. And while you're eating, you repeat the phrases. And you just, and so you do this with the phrases. You get like, the, you become one with the phrases. And the phrases start to wake you up. They wake up something in one's heart and mind that is not my usual orientation to Eugene and who Eugene is. And it's quite beautiful to see what happens. And so, Sometimes it's hard for people to start with themselves. So often you'll, you'll be asked, you might do it by get, offering the phrases of loving kindness, of metta, of friendliness to a benefactor, someone who it's easy to offer them to. And it could be a, a, a teacher, or it could be, uh, and I mean, a, it could be a Buddhist teacher, or it could be a teacher who was good to you when you were in school, or it could be a grandparent who was good to you, or it could be somebody where it's easy, a benefactor, somebody who nurture, nourished you or nurtured you and, and supported you, that it's easy for you to care about them and wish them well. Right, that's the key. You want to make it, it's easy to wish them, you know, may you be uh, safe, protected. May you be happy. May you be uh, uh, healthy. May you live with ease. Will you offer those phrases to somebody? And even now, you could just see, you could bring anybody up in your mind, just see what it's like to offer them your good wishes. 
because that's all that met is. It's just good wishes. Sometimes I think, oh, it's Buddhist prayer. We just pray in this way. It's a slightly different way to pray. But, it, but it's letting the heart sing. It's letting the heart sing in a way that puts us in alignment with the Dharma of the way things are. And then, of course, you can alter the phrases. You can be, you know, may you be well in body, heart, and mind. Or may you be happy and free. Or may you be filled with loving kindness. Or you could improvise your own phrases for yourself or for somebody else that you care about. <clears throat> and one of the things that starts to happen when we <coughs> do metta practice in this formal way, and it can happen in the informal way also, which is that we start to, we start to see the radiance of our heart we start to see the luminosity of our heart or the goodness of our heart. And it's here in everybody. And notice what happens if you think it's not here. Or notice if you're somebody who thinks, oh yeah, you don't have, really have that. Or you don't have that kind of heartfulness. Or you don't have that kind of love in you. Um, it's a funny phrase. Thomas Merton, Christian mystic, monk, he said, he said, you start to see the secret beauty behind the eyes of everyone. You start to see the secret beauty behind the eyes of everyone. And it is, it's one of the privileges of sitting up here is I get to look at you when I'm talking about this and see your eyes. And it's easy to see from this role, especially this position, it's easy to see the secret beauty. I don't, most of you, I don't even know who you are. And it doesn't matter because there's something else here that is not about your usual identity. There's something more magical and mysterious or dharmically wonderful about what's here. And I get to see it partly because of the view that I'm, that I'm looking from. And it's, it's quite a beautiful view. And what's magical is we could all take that view really any time. We may not know that, but it's one of the great potentialities of waking up for any of us. <clears throat> So the practice, we begin with ourselves, and we begin to court our heart and mind because it's pointing it to a certain reality that has to do with the radiance, what Ajahn Sumedho says is the radiance of the heart. And with that kind of heartfulness, we can start to relate to ourselves and to others in a way that the Buddha talked about, he said, in terms of ourselves, he said, because we hold ourselves dear, we maintain careful self-regard both day and night. Because we hold ourselves dear, kindly, caringly, 
we maintain careful self-regard, we pay attention, we're actually, we land here, we're in the present, we're in this moment, because of course you all know this is the only moment there is right now, right? There are no other moments. All the other moments are an idea, a belief, a memory, an imagination, and they may come, but when they're here, then they're the only moment that is actually here. And so this right now is the only moment that's here, this aliveness, this consciousness that is speaking and is listening, meaning I'm the one speaking and your consciousness is listening. And it's alive now in just this moment. <clears throat> and as I said, one of the obstacles to practice in general, and especially loving-kindness practice, is the judging mind, self-judgment, the judgment of others, and the kind of uh, contraction that creates, the kind of holding that reveals. And, and um, uh, Nisargadat Maharaj who is a great teacher in the last century and actually one of the people Jack Cornfield studied, studied with personally, he said, all you need is already within you. All you need is already within you. Just uh, that's all I should even say, right? All you need is already within you. Only you must approach yourself with reverence and love. All you need is already within you, only, uh, only you must approach yourself with reverence and with love. Self-condemnation and self-distrust are grievous errors. Your constant flight from pain and search for pleasure, which is a very normal human thing, your, your constant flight from pain and search for pleasure is a sign, a sign of love you bear for yourself. All I plead with you is this, make love of yourself perfect. Make love of yourself perfect. And we could use the meta word, we could say, oh, make friendliness with yourself perfect. Be a perfect friend to yourself. Be the friend you always wanted or always want. Be really kind to yourself. And then he says in his way. He says, deny yourself nothing. Glue yourself infinity and, and eternity and discover that you do not need them. You are beyond them. So he's doing a very deep teaching here. I'll read it again. This is more deeper than I usually uh, read. But he says, deny yourself nothing. Glue yourself infinity and eternity and discover that you do not need them. You are beyond. And he's pointing to the beyond of our true nature, of our Buddha nature, of what's sitting here, whether we are aware of it or not, the potential and the, and the reality of who and what we are. <clears throat> and of course, this emphasis that's in metta practice in Buddhism is not only in Buddhism, right? Love is really 
in many traditions and, and talked about in many different ways by many different people. And it really begins to address the dukkha. If you're new here, dukkha means suffering. The dukkha that is part of human life and that we all deal with and that often we deal with politically, right? Which a lot of people have been experiencing a lot of political dukkha lately. And Martin Luther King Jr., he said, hatred paralyzes life. Hatred paralyzes life. Love releases it. Hatred paralyzes life. Love releases it. Hatred confuses life. Love harmonizes it. Hatred darkens life. Love illuminates life. And so practice with metta means to send good wishes to yourself in whatever form works for you, right? And I find the phrases that Buddha offered very helpful, very easy, so I, I use them. And I've used them for years and years and years now, depending on what's happening. And especially, and I did, you know, long retreats of metta, and they're very, it's very um, powerful. To, that's all you're doing, you know, 24-7 for a month. Uh, very powerful, very good. And then, you know, and then there have been other times where I haven't done it so much in daily life until the shit hits the fan. And then it's like, oh, metta. It just comes out of me. It's not even, I don't even think of it. It just comes. And especially I noticed it after my bad accident because I didn't know how to meditate so well, but I was meditating some. And then I, and, and just, I, it was a long recovery from the brain injury. So I didn't know how to function well in the world. And I would just see myself sit down and I, and I didn't, and I didn't have enough brain to figure things out also at times. But I did have some brain that knew how to do metta. And I would just do metta for myself because I didn't know what else to do. And I didn't have any good idea like oh, I should do this, I should do that. But I just did the metta and it like, it, it would soothe me and it would allow me to continue because we don't have all the answers. And things happen that we, like happened to me, that we don't want to happen. And yet, we can still be kind to ourselves, no matter what, no matter what. So, metta practice, especially if you, if you get a routine of some phrases that you can do, even if, you know, may I be safe, or may I be happy, or may I be healthy, or may I, may I live at ease, and you start doing that also for other people. May you be safe, may you be happy, may you be healthy, may you live at ease, may you be filled with kindness, you know. Um, uh, you can do that anywhere, at any time. And that's a really interesting daily life practice. And here, Sayadaw uh, Utejaniya, he said something, he said, there is nothing more interesting than using the Dharma in, than in, in daily life. 
let me say this correctly, there's nothing more interesting than using Dharma in daily life. People don't know or understand the quality, value, or inherent worth, worth of the Dharma. People who use the practice as part of life and everything they do will know its value as something they cannot do without. It is imperative that we treat our home, our workplace, our social environment as our retreat center. Beautiful teaching for all of us about how to practice 24-7. It all, life becomes a retreat center. And then, and we can do metta anywhere. And so one of the great places to do metta is when you're in a traffic jam, right? First of all, for yourself, because you're probably in a bad mood when you're in a traffic jam, if you're like me. But also, there's all these people who are cutting in quickly to try to get nowhere because it's a bad traffic jam. And you can start to do metta for them and see what happens to your heart and mind if you start doing metta for, for the other people in the car, for in their cars. Or see what happens when you're, you know, you know, if you're riding the bus, just ride the bus. Even, even if there's no traffic, do metta for all the other people on the bus and see what happens to your experience of reality while you're on the bus. Or do metta when you're at line in the line at the Safeway to get your food out, and it's a long line. Or really, I'm just encouraging you, see what happens if you play with it anywhere, and then what happens both to your heart and mind and your relationship to the world that we all live in together. That we all live in together. <clears throat> And in this way, as I was saying, like one is, does metta maybe for a benefactor, then one f for oneself, then also often for a good friend. Again, people, it's relatively easy. And then you, uh, if you do it formally, pick a neutral person, like somebody you don't know. Doing metta for somebody you don't know is really fascinating. If you're on retreat and you're doing it, like I'm sitting here and you're sitting here and we're here for a week or a month and, and I don't know you and I'm doing metta for somebody, right? All of a sudden, every time you see them, oh, your heart starts to light up. Oh, may you be well, may you be happy, may you be healthy, may you feel free. And, and it's like, and, and then at the end of the retreat, you can't wait to go up and talk to them. They don't even know who you are. They haven't been doing metta for you the whole time. <laughs> or, and then of course, you're supposed to do, it's helpful to do metta for difficult people, which, does anybody here have any difficult people? <laughs> right? <laughs> I appreciate both hands there. That was really, I, really, you were doing that both hands for everybody, but because also that's also a very interesting thing to do. It'll change your relationship with the difficult person. It doesn't mean you'll like them, and it doesn't mean you'll like what they do, but it'll change your relationship. <clears throat> so metta here here's another here's a poem that I like a lot 
about love from Alison Luderman, who's a, who's a good poet. This is an edited version that I stole. And uh, she wrote, um, <clears throat> don't tell anybody, don't tell anyone, but even as a good Jewish girl, I love Jesus. Don't tell anyone, but even as a good Jewish girl, I loved Jesus. I loved his dark Semitic eyes and how his friends were all the poor and the prostitutes, and he would even go to hell for love. It's just like that Buddhist bodhisattva of compassion, Avalokiteshvara, which is, this is a version of Avalokiteshvara, by the way. Um, and she, she says, he's just like that Buddhist bodhisattva of compassion, Avalokiteshvara, except his name is easier to pronounce. <laughs> it's hard to yell for Avalokiteshvara when you're in big trouble, but oh Jesus comes naturally. I don't want to die saying, oh shit. I'd rather go out like a Tibetan Lama lying on my right side, my head turned toward the direction of my next birth. But let's face it, there aren't enough in however many years I have left to become that enlightened. Following Jesus seems so much easier. All you have to do is love everyone. Well, seems is the critical word here, especially with the particular people you find all around you. <laughs> But then if you really look, what else is there to do? If you really look, what else is there to do? So this antidote to fear that the Buddha gave us, <clears throat> that's in many traditions, to uh, let our heart begin to wake up in this way where we become friendly with reality in the form of living beings. So I'm going to stop here. We have a few minutes if you have any comments, questions, reactions, liking, not liking the talk. Hey, uh, I'm Ben, and uh, I was just wondering, what's it like to get back from a meta retreat? Because, like, you know, I, I have, I don't know, but I would imagine that seeing there being not much sort of loving kindness around you in the real world. Oh, no, there's a lot of loving kindness actually around, and really. And I'm not even talking about, you don't even have to get back from a loving kindness retreat. There's a lot of loving kindness. It's very interesting, but you're saying a very, you're asking a really interesting question. Because one of the things I've seen is my mind will tend to see what my mind believes. And so if my mind believes there's no loving kindness, I'll see the no loving kindness that is out there. There's plenty of not hatred or anger or not loving kindness around. But what I've noticed, when my mind really relaxes, 
oh, I'm often surprised by how much kindness there is in human beings, how much goodness there is in human beings, and all, all the publicity, meaning all the news is about all the bad stuff. Like, if, if we, it would be really great, maybe there is, but if there's some online paper that just published all the good things that human beings do. Well, and that's upworthy, and that's like the worst thing ever, so be careful with that one. What's that? <laughs> upworthy. It's a, it's a, it's, I'm, I'm kidding. It's okay. a big website. Okay. But yeah. Okay. So, uh, no, it really, and I, I keep watching in myself exactly that, being so touched by human beings. And here, I'll give a very simple example. And of course, it's not, they sound very silly or mundane, but the reality is what we're pointing at. Like, I said this, my wife got a dog recently, and so I'm happy to go out with her whenever she's walking her dog. <laughs> and, uh, and I like to walk with her and her dog. And, uh, and so, but one of the things I've really discovered that is very cool is there's a very big dog sangha in this world, <laughs> right? And so you meet people who you would never talk to or relate to because of your dogs. And even, she's very funny, my wife, she said, oh, I know the dog's name, I don't know the person's name. <laughs> but what happens is you start to have a little sangha, a little relationship, because of these dogs that you love. And so the love starts to connect you with other people and you see how good people are and how much they care about their dogs. And, and I, I've said this before and I love having a dog in the house because it's another being in the house. And I love him, you know, even though I don't want to take care of him. I'm happy she's taking care of him. But it'd be very easy, to, the love just comes totally naturally. That's cool. It sounds like, I mean, you, you've been doing this for a while. Yeah. It sounds like you don't really have that pronounced of a like sort of disappointment that things can't stay the way they were on the retreat. No, I don't have that anymore because I don't, I, I, I really, I, do, I don't have a big line between retreat and not retreat. It's all retreat. It's just life. And life itself is kind of amazing. And it has its ups and downs, which I'm very respectful of, and we all have them and will have them. It has its dukkha and it has its sukha. It has its joy and beauty. And, and it's all, and, but what we are is not the dukkha and not the sukha. There's something more right here that the heartfulness is an expression of. Sure, thank you. Great, hi. Hi, Eugene. Um, Your name? Anthony. Anthony, great. Um, so, I hate everything. Uh -huh. um, great. And right now, I'm really stuck in hating the hate uh -huh. in myself. Right, watch and out I'm, for that. Yeah, and yeah. so I'm curious about your experience or, or whatever. Um, sure. In, 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 I can practice a very superficial version of loving kindness of the hate, like, like no, almost no. a textbook theoretical answer, right. but in like actually embracing it and like 
loving myself hating something, I, that's the, the practicality of that is sure. super tough. No, no, it is. So, so you're, you're, now you're pointing at a very refined part of practice, which is first of all, be kind to yourself because you're suffering. If you weren't suffering, you wouldn't be hating something. And it's legit to hate. You can hate, but don't just believe that's all of who and what you are, right? And you're hating because you're suffering. So just do some loving kindness for your suffering. You don't have to stop hating. Right. And so that immediately refines the practice. You're not responsible for the hate. You're suffering. You're having a hard time. Something, somebody did something, right. people are doing something, and, and, it's, and you can hate it. But the other way, so we're not just doing loving kindness, we want to do awareness practice. Start to be aware of the energy that we call hate. Because there's a lot of aliveness in that energy. And it's why when there is that kind of response, you want to be aware of the energy because that ultimately is Vajra energy, right? You know Vajra, mm -hmm. right? Sword-like or warrior energy. And that is part of the spiritual path, that energy. Yeah. Okay? And really, uh, you know, my, and, my, and my inner response is, oh, may you be well, right? May, may you be safe, may you be okay, no matter what's happening. Right? Because shit happens. Right? And so, and so just see if you can offer yourself that kind of kindness. Not my words, but your words. Okay? Thanks. Sure. Thank you. I appreciate you getting up and saying that because we often don't say that because it doesn't sound very Buddhist to say <laughs> I hate everything. <laughs> Anyone else? I'm still looking to see. Okay, Patrick. I just wanted to say I've been doing Metta for years and it transformed me. Uh -huh. I, it led me to a point where I made a vow of compassion for all beings and uh -huh. When I made that vow, I was really already doing that, so it's an easy vow. <laughs> and it doesn't it doesn't take like most people here know that I suffer various things from mental illness, and having compassion for myself and for other beings doesn't mean that I don't get anxiety, and it doesn't sure. mean that. Sure. I'm not afraid of some of the people on the street, but at the same time, I love myself and I love them. Yeah, and it really helps. <laughs> it does. It Thank you. <laughs> no, it does. It does. But it, it's a practice, and it often doesn't come immediately, as oh, yeah. people say, or can feel very surfacey at times. And just see what happens if you play with it for a while for a week or a month or a year. And, and it's one of the great practices. So I'm appreciating your, you're talking about the fruit of practice. Yeah. 
Yeah, great. Thank you. Okay. So that's a good place to stop with the fruit of practice. So let's sit for a minute and we'll offer our metta practice to end the evening. <clears throat> Wishing, first of all, for ourselves, our well-being. May I be happy. And you can just think this in using my words or changing my words. May I be happy, peaceful. May I be well of body and heart and mind. May I live with ease. May I be filled with loving kindness and care. May my heartfulness saturate my whole being. May my heartfulness saturate my body and being. And wishing the same good wishes to everybody in the room. May all of us here together be happy and peaceful. May all of us be well and healthy. May all of us be safe, protected from harm. And you might see the faces of the different people here in your mind's eye. And may all of us together live with ease. offering our loving kindness to all beings in every direction, above, below, east, west, south, north, in this world and all worlds. May all beings be happy and peaceful. May all beings be safe, protected from inner and outer harm. May all beings be healthy in body, heart, and mind. May all beings in all directions, in all worlds, live with ease. And may all beings everywhere wake up. May all beings be free from suffering, free from dukkha. And may all beings discover their true nature, their Buddha nature. 
the nature of wisdom and compassion. May all beings be free. good to be with you. I'll see. I'll be gone for the next few weeks. Uh, I'll send you metta from everywhere. Be well. And remember, Frank Ostaseski will be here next week. Come check him out. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.